Grace and peace in the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Near the beginning of Cecil B. DeMille's epic film, The Ten Commandments, is a scene in which representatives from various nations around the world appear before Pharaoh to bring him gifts. They came from far and wide to curry the favor of Pharaoh and to gain Egypt as an ally. Because, of course, the alternative to having Egypt, the Mediterranean superpower of the day, as an ally was to have them as an enemy, which never seemed to fare very well for those weaker nations. And so to form or strengthen their alliance with Egypt, they brought the Pharaoh expensive and rare gifts. We see the same thing happening for real in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 10, as leaders and nations appear before King Solomon to bring him gifts. They came, too, from far and wide. Scripture says to hear his wisdom. But they also came as they listened to his wisdom to give him gifts, most likely, once again, for more than altruistic reasons. They brought Solomon expensive and rare gifts to ingratiate themselves to him because they knew of the power that he wielded and the troops that he commanded. And thus the old saying, if you can't beat them, join them, was a credo for many of the nations surrounding Israel of the day. And so we see that what the Magi did by traveling these many miles to present rare and expensive gifts to a king was not an unheard of thing. The Queen of Sheba, you've all heard of her, the Queen of Sheba most likely traveled much further, much farther to bring gifts to Solomon than these wise men traveled to bring their gifts to Jesus. But here's the difference. Like so many others before her, the Queen of Sheba brought gifts to Solomon to benefit herself and to benefit the kingdom which she ruled. Her gifts were not benevolent in nature, but totally and probably unabashedly self-serving as were all the royal wives that Solomon had been given. Given to him, the daughters of kings given to him, hoping to form and seal alliances with their countries. But the motives behind the Magi's gifts to Jesus were not of this opportunistic nature. They did not come to see Jesus to get, but to give. They didn't make the long trip from the east to benefit themselves in some way, simply to worship 
Jesus. Unlike King Herod, who held the power and the authority to benefit them in some way, to whom they gave nothing. Jesus was just a little child with no visible power or authority to speak of to benefit these wise men, these magi, in any way. And yet they still presented him with these rare and precious gifts. Why? To honor him. It's that simple. With no ulterior motives in mind. As they first entered Jerusalem, you might remember, they searched around for Jesus and they asked people, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We, we saw a star in the east and we've come to worship him. They didn't come to curry his favor. To gain his loyalty. To negotiate a deal. Or to garner his support. They simply came to worship him. And their gifts? Their gifts were part of that worship. All of which makes me kind of wonder, have to ask the question, why do you give your gifts and your offerings to the Lord? Do you give your gifts simply to honor Him and to worship Him? Or is there something else that lay behind your giving? Some ulterior motive, some hidden agenda. That sounds kind of sinister, doesn't it? Maybe I should just say, is there some other reason that you give your gifts to God? I had a, a member, a lady in my former congregation, who saw her offerings as membership dues. She thought this so much that she went to the effort of crossing out the word offering on the offering envelopes and wrote the word dues on every single envelope. Clearly, she was not giving to the Lord simply to honor Him, but she also saw this as a sense of obligation. You know, paying her dues to the congregation. I had another lady in that same congregation, one of my shut-in members, whose name consequently, I should say ironically, ironically, her name was Grace, who told me at some point in our ministry that she didn't want me to come and bring her communion anymore because she couldn't afford to give an offering anymore. She somehow saw her offerings as paying for my pastoral services. Not simply as her widows might love offering to the Lord. Both of these ladies seem to give out of a sense of obligation. Both to God and to the congregation. And while I certainly admired 
their sense of duty, their sense of obligation. That should not be the extent of why we return gifts to the Lord. Nor should we give to Him to get in His good graces, to earn His favor, or perhaps to gain clout with Him, or gain clout in the congregation. Rather, we should give to God because, simply because we love Him, and because He has first given to us life, love, forgiveness, strength, peace, joy, health, all of it is from Him. He gave us His own Son to be the sacrifice for our sins upon the cross. That we might know God's forgiveness and the gift of life with God in all eternity through faith in Christ Jesus. All the gifts of God's love which Christ won for us through the cross and the empty grave. All of those gifts become ours both temporally and eternally, through Christ Jesus. How in the world can we possibly, properly honor God and thank Him for all of that? We can do what the Magi did. We can bow down before Him. We can worship Him. And we can bring before him our gifts of love. And we can do that not to curry his favor, to gain some advantage for ourselves down the road, but simply to honor him. To honor him as our Lord, our Savior, and our God. As we fulfill our pledges for 2023, those which we made and put in the pledge box just a few weeks ago, I pray that we would do that with a heart full of humility and gratitude. Grateful for the privilege to give to Him thanksgiving for all that He has given to us. In the name of Christ Jesus, our living Lord and Savior. Amen.